Episode 107 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, is dedicated to the memory of Edgar A. Chamnis. He passed away Friday, July 19th. He is a member of the Central State University Hall of Fame, being inducted in 2017. Began his career with Central State University back in 1970, first hired to teach English and journalism while also advising student publications in the Department of English. In addition, Ed also served in the Office of Alumni Relations and Alumni Affairs as a writer and photographer, which included taking pictures of athletic teams and individuals while documenting athletic events. Prior to the 1972 season, Ed was called upon to take on the responsibilities of Sports Information Director on a temporary basis. That appointment for Ed afforded him the opportunity to work with some of the most legendary figures in Central State University athletics history, including Dr. Vivian Lewis, the Director of Athletics at the time, and her husband, Gaston F. Lewis. They were members of the faculty after retiring from coaching. At the time, James Walker was the head coach of the Marauder football program, and the men's basketball coach was William C. Lucas. During his time on the faculty, Ed organized existing journalism courses within the Department of English and made it into an interdisciplinary major in communications, which was approved by University Senate and has grown to be one of the most prolific programs at Central State University. While continuing to support the athletic program with photography services and working with the Sports Information Office, Ed was called upon various times to take on the sports information responsibilities over the ensuing years. The whole Chamnus family became involved in the athletic program as Janice, Ed's wife, filmed football games for the coaches and for 18 years beginning in 1972. Also, for several years, was the athletic department secretary for Central State. Ed's sons, John, Eric, and Ramon, came along to road trips and served as ball boys at home and away games. Following Ed's retirement in 2007, he continued to work with the Department of Intercollegiate Athletics, primarily on a volunteer basis, as he's helped to continue to grow and develop Marauder sports. He was a regular fixture at all athletic home events. Ed said that he was privileged to work directly with many great coaches, including James Walker and Billy Joe in football, Lou Wims and Norman Ward Sr. in men's basketball, Josh Colbreth in track, and Teresa Check for women's basketball. In addition, he's seen the development of student-athletes like Rosie Turner, Pat Tramble, Al West, Dante Jackson, Sheba Harris, and James Rollins, who have returned to Central State over the years to carry on the great Marauder athletic tradition as coaches and teachers. Ed is a graduate of Kansas State University, a native of Howe, Michigan, and worked and taught at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater before coming to Central State. They both lived in Wilberforce. Ed, when I was part of the Ohio Sports Radio Network, Ed was the guy that I always talked with when I was broadcasting Central State Athletics. Great guy, always treated me with respect, always helped me out when I needed it. Ed was the man, and he was Marauder Sports. 
He loves Central State with all his heart, and I know that. And I know Central State definitely is feeling his loss. Ed, thank you for everything you've done for me, and this episode is for you. Again, episode 107 of this podcast is dedicated to the memory of Ed Chamness. You're listening to the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. This podcast is a part of Overtime Heroics. Join the forums for free at OvertimeHeroics.com. And the Rise Up Podcast Community. Bit.ly slash Rise Up Pod Community. Welcome to another installment of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Opening theme from Music Radio Creative. Visit the LeeWMallon.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite podcasting platform. Now for our host, Lee W. Mallon. And welcome back to the Gem on the Queen's Ground, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. This one's for you, Ed. As today, we're talking not about sports teams, but things happening around here. There's a couple of cool stories that I like to share with you today. And also an event that I think is a pretty big deal for you football frenzy folk. That's supposed to be a compliment. Don't take it the wrong way. But first... It's another trip into Mowen's Mailbag. It's time for Mowen's Mailbag, the segment where you can ask questions and interact with the podcast. Send in your future questions on Twitter at GemOnQueenCrown or at the Lee W. Mowen or on Facebook at the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast page. Theme music is provided by Music Radio Creative at musicradiocreative.com. We'll start off with Twitter because that's the platform I'm on the most, I guess. I don't know if that's a good excuse or not. But we're starting off with a question from the Clubhouse Sports Podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at pod underscore clubhouse. And they do very nice work on their podcast. Thanks for the question. What are your expectations for Bearcats men's basketball this year? That's a very good question. I mean, college football is just around the corner. College basketball is going to be pretty exciting. And in fact, if you go to Go Bearcats MBB, the Twitter account, not an actual physical location, you can now see the new extended three-point line. Yes. Because that's a thing that we need to do for college. Why? I don't know. Anyway, Cincinnati Bearcats basketball. That loss to Iowa in the tournament. Woof. Ugh. After that start, and then you lose by seven and can't get back to the Hawkeyes. Ugh. That, that, that loss stunk. But Mick Cronin is now at UCLA. And taking the reins at UC is John Brennan, formerly the head coach of the Northern Kentucky Norse. What's nice about Brennan's new job is, A, 
Don't really have to commute or move that far. That's nice. In B, it's the next step up. And this is no slam against Northern Kentucky. But Cincinnati, you look at the history, you look at the national championships, and you also look at the brand newly renovated Fifth Third Arena. I mean, it's a shining gem in southwestern Ohio. I mean, that's a big deal. I think John Brennan will do well. I think the players are there. I think UC should make it into the big dance again. I mean, I know there's a couple losses to the team, and who knows if Brennan is ready for big time, but I think the Cumberland Cousins on UC squad, I think they'll make for a nice pairing coming over from Oakland. I mean, I, I really, I really have a good feeling. I mean, it's first year head coach, but John Brennan did a nice job at NKU. So definitely give the man credit. Hard to believe he's already been the head coach for a hundred days. And that's, you know, mostly recruiting, getting ready for next season. No schedule out for 2019-2020 yet for UC. So eventually once that comes out, we'll talk a little bit about it. So I see UC getting back to the big dance. I still think Houston is going to be the... AAC winner, and I think Memphis is going to catch up as well. But I think UC is still very, very relevant in the AAC. So thanks for the question to the Clubhouse Sports Podcast again on Twitter at pod underscore clubhouse. And now we move on to Facebook. I have... Two questions dropped off. Well, actually, one's not a question. And one I'm going to make an episode a little later in the fall. We'll start with that one from Jamie Antello, my good friend, hopefully yours too, and the head coach of the Norfolk, Kentucky Norse Hockey Program. Again, no relation to NKU. High school hockey season is approaching. How about a breakdown of local teams? I'll save that for an upcoming episode because of the fact that it's going to be interesting because you have another team from Cincinnati joining the Capital Hockey Conference, which is the bigger hockey conference in Central slash Southwest Ohio. And plus, if you're really looking for tough battles, you get the CHC. And that's not to belittle Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League, not at all. But you're playing more against Columbus teams. And at the same time, if you expect to get far in the districts, you're going to have to play those Columbus teams, and you're going to learn how to beat them. So, St. X is the school moving on to the Capital Hockey Conference. That means the Southwest Ohio has nine schools left, and I mentioned this a while back. No schedules as of yet. Actually, I think Beaver Creek's schedule is up on the league website, but once I get more schedules up, we'll talk about that. So, I know that's kind of putting it off to the side, but I promise, Jamie, we will have a high school hockey preview later on on this podcast. And Dominic Gussler, you might know him as the Big Ragu. He's the announcer for Gem City Roller Derby. It's not so much a question, but it's in the mailbag, so it counts. 
Gem City Roller Derby has made the Continental Cup for the first time ever this year. Massive improvement over the past few years. It doesn't get much more local. And you know what? He's not kidding, folks. Because I forget which episode it was. It was one, it was rec- one of the more recent ones. Those athletes don't get paid. If you ever seen roller derby, that's a really tough sport. Lots of bumps, bruises, falls. It's really exciting. And I wish I had a shot to announce this year, but I couldn't make any of the bouts. Hopefully in 2020. But I mentioned that they will be in the Continental Cup for the first time ever. Actually, it's cups. There's multiple cups. In case you don't want to travel to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where it's being held in August... You can come to the Frickers and Huber Heights and watch it. It is at 6280 Chambersburg Road, Huber Heights, Ohio. That would be the road that Wayne High School is on as well. And it's from 4 to 6.30. Game for it, NA East. That is the bout between Gem City and Columbia, which I assume is South Carolina. Our very own Purple Rain is going to the Continental Cups. The first whistle for Game 4, Columbia versus Gem City, is right at 4, August 23rd. Since most fans can't travel there to watch it in person, the staff and volunteers of Gem City Roller Derby will rent the private party room at the Huber Heights Frickers. And it's open to all people associated with GCRD, officials, volunteers, skaters, refs, and fans. It's a child-friendly event, and it's free, but $5 donations are always welcome. Because remember, this is not like your normal sports team where there's a budget and athletes get paid. None the sort. You have volunteers all across the board. I I hope I can make it out to this. Because... It is a big deal. It's the first time ever that Gem City Roller Derby is in the big dance for Roller Derby. That sounded really redundant there, and I'm sorry, but definitely. And I know Dominic is someone that I like to have on this podcast because, again, he's the big ragu. And we're not talking about pasta sauce. Ah! No, he's the announcer of the Gem City Roller Derby. He's been with the organization for many, many years. A good guy as well. So hopefully that'll happen one day, but definitely mark your calendars for August 23rd. It's from 4 to 6.30, again, at the Huber Heights Frickers at 6280 Chambersburg Road in Huber Heights. If I remember right, that's closer to State Route 201 than it is to 202. And in case you want to go, and there it is. So why well, thank Jamie and Dominic for dropping... Off some mail at Malin's Mailbag. And I also want to remind you that there is a new way to ask questions. I'm not getting rid of the old way. Like I mentioned, you find a way to give me a question and I'll answer it. Unless it's wildly inappropriate. It's the app called Flick Chat. And then you join the group Local Sunday Sports. And then you go to the topic, Malin's Mailbag Questions, and drop off some questions there. Join it. It's free download, free to join. And let's talk local Sunday sports, and let's talk the podcast on there. So it's another way to ask questions on the local Sunday sports podcast. 
That was a lot of fun. Let's do Malin's Mailbag again next week. But onwards to the show. Our first article that we're talking about today, it's something that popped up this morning, right when I woke up. It's written by Tom Archdeacon six hours ago from Dayton Daily News. Two of Trotwood's famous and favorite sons are planning to open a sports complex. Now, first off, right off the bat, I will tell you, Trotwood is the city that got hit the worst by all those tornadoes late May. And Trotwood has tumbled in recent years with the loss of Salem Mall and the majority of the businesses at Consumer Square and all around. It's been tough on Trotwood, but I will tell you one thing. The people of Trotwood, big hearts, and they're great folks there. And I definitely love this article, and it, I wanted to talk about it. So that's why you get a second episode this week. Now, you might be wondering, two of Trotwood's favorite sons, who could those be? Well, it's former University of Dayton Flyer Chris Wright and Chris Pearson. Once basketball teammates at Trotwood Madison, they have gone on to shine in their respective athletic careers. I remember I was in college when Chris Wright chose to play at UD, so, you know, back then, it's like, meh. But Wright was six foot eight. He's definitely a star at UD. It was exciting to see. It's always exciting to me. It might not be to you, and I'm not trying to change your thought on this, but it's always exciting for me to see the local athletes shine at the local institutions. And I, I always enjoy that about all the sports I announce and all the sports I broadcast. That's one thing I love. That's why I do this podcast. Local sports, local people. A high-flying star at the University of Dayton, the six foot eight Wright is about to enter his ninth year of a pro basketball career. which included stops with the Golden State Warriors and Milwaukee Bucks in NBA, and also a couple seasons overseas in Israel, Poland, and recently in the NBA G League with the Oklahoma City Blue. That's Chris Wright. Off the court, he's a co-owner of the Orion Sports Medicine, and also with his Right Way Foundation, helped the tornado relief efforts in Tropwood. Chris Pearson, two years younger than Wright at 28, 93 and 8 as an amateur boxer, and won the United States National Amateur Middleweight Championship, a National Police Athletic League title, and also a very strong showing in the International World Series of Boxing. As a pro, fighting mostly in California and Las Vegas, 17 and 2 record. And also won the WBC Latino middleweight title back in early May. Trained by Manny Robles. Also trains the Rocky-like Mexican heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz. This is back on the article. Signed a five-bout deal by Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions. Pearson's scheduled to fight again mid-September. Likely on the undercard of a unified middleweight champ. Canelo Alvarez, who's about to sign a fight with mandatory challenger Sergey Derevenchenko. I think I said that right. 
But away from the boxing ring and away from the basketball court, Pearson and Wright plan to open their Trotwood Sports Venture. It will include a 77,000-square-foot multi-sport complex, which makes it the largest indoor facility in the Dayton area. Also, we'll have an adjacent 40,000-square-foot boxing and MMA gym. That's more on the Pearson side of things. The pair are taking over an existing but underused sports complex, and in a couple weeks, we'll release the details of this new venture. This complex will also house Wright's Foundation and his Flight Academy, which it's something that I see time to time on my social media, and the Flight Academy definitely helps out basketball on and off the court. It also hosts the Prime Performance Gym, the Trotwood Boxing Club, once run by Pearson's dad, Milt. It's also where Chris and several other pros honed in on their early fistic skills. And Chris Wright adds that the center will tailor specialized training for individual athletes in a variety of sports and also providing nutritional advice. And also, there's an emphasis on after-school programs from tutoring to SAT and ACT test preparations. So it's not just, you know, sports and getting fit and getting ready to, you know, fight or play. It's also about preparing yourself for the future as well, which I really like that. Their faculty will not only cater to K-12 students, but college athletes, guys who have gotten to the pro level, and those who have retired. Wright and Pearson both add that it's about them not forgetting where they came from, Trotwood, Ohio, Montgomery County, U.S. of A. Pearson adds that you have two guys here with some prestige and vision and dedication who have genuine hearts and want to give back to the people. And Wright adds, we feel obligated because we grew up here. I love this story, and I definitely hope it succeeds because these are two Daytonians that are going to do good by their hometown of Trotwood. This article continues on. Again, it's Tom Archdeacon. It's also got a very nice picture of Chris Wright jumping past a pair of Seton Hall Pirates. Like I said, Chris Wright, he was an awesome Dayton Flyer. I really, really love this plan that they have, and I hope it succeeds. It adds on, as Wright and Pearson both add, that without strong parents, it's not possible. None of this is possible, they add. I mean, both of them, they know each other, although Pearson is, like I mentioned, two years younger than Wright. Chris Wright adds, In the hallway, I always be wrestling and grabbing him and trying to put him in a headlock. <laughs> That's good business partners right there. But these two gentlemen are adding something to the Dayton community, and it's about Remembering where you're from. I definitely want this to succeed for them. Again, plans will be released in a couple weeks. And I definitely hope that it's a thing that everyone appreciates. So good luck to Chris Wright and Chris Pearson. Make it happen for Trotwood, Ohio, U.S. of A. 
There are two more stories I'd like to get to this afternoon, and we'll get to them after this ad break here on the Gem on the Queen's Ground, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. I'm Ty Yeager, and I want to introduce you to the Rise Up Podcast community, a community for podcasters created by podcasters, dedicated to the promotion and growth of podcasts everywhere. Rise Up is not a network. There are no contracts and no control over your content. Just a vessel for you to spread the word of your work and connect with the fellow podcasters to collaborate, create, and promote. And guess what? It doesn't cost you a single cent to join the community. Join the Rise Up Podcast community today by visiting our website at bit.ly slash community and follow the community on Twitter at rupodcommunity. Again, that's bit.ly slash community and at rupodcommunity on Twitter. Come and join the community of podcasts and rise up with us. Rise Up Podcast Community. Hey listeners, did you know that you can buy gear supporting the local Sunday sports podcast? Visit the leewmallon.com slash podcast, then click on buy podcast merchandise made by T Public. You can get shirts, hoodies, mugs, phone cases, and even stickers. Check out the local Sunday sports gear by T Public. Hey folks, this is Lee W. Mowen of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and I'm here to tell you about Anchor, the easiest way of making a podcast. Anchor is completely free and gives you everything you need in one easy place on your desktop or mobile device. Anchor includes creation tools to make your podcast sound great, including the newly featured background music option. Anchor also takes care of the heavy lifting by getting your podcast out to the major platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and even more. You can also make some money with your podcast with no minimum listenership required. What are you waiting for? Create your podcast by downloading the Anchor app in the App Store or on Google Play, or visit anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm, the host of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. What's going on, guys? Grant Pushcart here, joined by my co-director, Victor Williams. Are you looking to bring more attention to your sports content? Over at Overtime Heroics, you can be a part of a growing sports community such as podcasts like my own, Cleveland Surge, and my own Philly Special Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to share your sports opinions, they also have an active forum for all sports topics. So if you want your sports content to be heard amongst other sports fans, go over to Overtime Heroics forward slash forums and make your first hot take today. Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoy the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Did you know you can get paid just for listening to this podcast? I just discovered this free new app called PodCoin, and it literally pays you to listen to podcasts. Here's how it works. You listen to podcasts, and you earn PodCoin while you listen on the app. Then you turn that PodCoin in for gift cards for Amazon, Starbucks, and more locations. Or you can even take the PodCoin and donate it to charity. The more you listen, the more you earn. Here's what you do. You download the app right now for free in the App Store or on Google Play and simply use my code CINCYSPORT with two eyes, and you'll get 300 PodCoins just for signing up. So go ahead, listen to this podcast or any podcast on PodCoin and sign up with the code CINCYSPORT with two eyes. It's changing the way people listen to podcasts. PodCoin. And now we move from Trotwood to the other side of the state line. 
We're in Florence, Kentucky for this article, and this is written by the WCPO staff. That's the ABC affiliate in Cincinnati. It's official. Florence freedom to remain at current stadium under new ownership. Now, right off the bat, baseball pun, right off the bat, I like to apologize as I don't talk a lot about Florence freedom. And it's not because, oh, freedom, independent ball, huff. No, it's... It's not that. It's And it's also not that, oh, well, I forget they exist type of thing. I try to stick with Dayton, Cincinnati, and Florence is in the Cincinnati area. It's just, it's always one thing that, you know, it gets pushed off to the side and I forget about. So, I guess that's the second thing that I forgot about. So, I apologize, Florence Freedom fans. And we'll talk a little bit about the Freedom season. And also the fact that there's a former Florence Freedom that got signed by the Cincinnati Reds. For independent ball, you're not connected with anything MLB. Unless you're the Atlantic League, then you become the league of testing Terminators out to see what's a ball and a strike. And that story always makes me laugh where someone bounces a pitch in front of the dirt in front of home plate. And it goes in the strike zone and it's still counted as a strike. That's that's a great story. But this is a great story. The Florence Freedom baseball team is officially under new ownership and will continue to play at UC Health Stadium. It's a fine stadium. You can see it. Well, you can mainly see it if you go up 71-75 towards Cincinnati. But it is a nice stadium. The new owners are the Freedom Baseball Club LLC. That's Limited Liability Corporation. They're comprised of four general partners, and they acquired the professional team from Canterbury Baseball LLC, according to a news release. Through this acquisition, the Florence Freedom are not going anywhere. They will remain at the city-owned UC Health Stadium. Florence Mayor Diane Whalen, in a written statement, mentions the city's excited by Freedom Baseball Club LLC's acquisition of our hometown team, the Florence Freedom. Their love and passion for the game is apparent, and we're looking forward to a long-term partnership with them as we learn more about what the future holds for our team and UC Health Stadium. One of the big names of this group, well, formerly of Procter & Gamble, one of the biggest employers in the Cincinnati area, and president of Del Bello Holdings, and now the CEO of the Florence Freedom, David Del Bello, like I mentioned, formerly of PNG. You know, they make shampoo and Pringles, which Pringles gets its name from a street in Finneytown, in case you didn't know that. The managing director at Concordia Financial Group will serve as the CFO of the Freedom, Matt Cappers. Danny Halebron owner of DJH Management, will become Vice President of Business Development, and the President of Town Building Group, Brian Bortz, will serve as Vice President of Facilities. That would be baseball field. The owners, the previous owners, were Canterbury Baseball LLC. They acquired the Florence Freedom back in 2004, which I believe is the birth year of the Freedom Team. It was previously led by Clint Brown, who passed away January 2018. And that meant his wife became president of the company. 
Kim Brown will be on hand to assist the new owners with the transition, which is a nice thing to do. And Kim mentions that they're excited for the new ownership group to carry on Clint's dream to have professional baseball in Florence, Kentucky. In case you're wondering about UC Health Stadium, well, it seats 4,500. That's a pretty good amount. And located right off I-7175, where it's conjoined for a little bit from literally the bridge crossing the Ohio River down to where you go to Lexington or Louisville. The Freedom have been playing in Kentucky since 2004. And in case you're wondering when the Freedom play at home again, well, wait until July 31st at 635, where the team is currently leading the West Division with a 38-24 and record. Spoilers! I was going to talk about that in a little bit. So yeah, Florence Freedom, independent ball, the closest independent ball team we have in Cincinnati Dayton. Your second closest, I assume would be Lake Erie and the Crushers who recently have a new logo, new look. Now they're Grape Crushers because you can crush grapes and make wine and stuff. Or jelly. Or jam. Whatever you want to do. Like I mentioned, I apologize for not talking more about the Florence Freedom. It's not like, uh, independent ball. Heh. It just always... I spent a lot of time talking Dragons and Reds I work for the Dragons. I listen to the Reds. But the Florence Freedom have their place in the local Sunday sports scene. First of all, it's a cheap baseball ticket. Second of all, with independent ball, you're rooting on the players. You want to see them continue their baseball career. And third of all, it's the Frontier League. They're one of the more stable independent ball franchises. Actually, there's a couple around the United States that might have had a longer story. But the Frontier League is one that's literally in our backyard. I mean, your first team to win back-to-back titles in the Frontier League, you can look at the Richmond Roosters and Fran Riordan. I believe it's Riordan. He's now the manager of the Las Vegas Aviators, no longer the Las Vegas 51s. The Freedom are a great team. They have a nice history. And their mascot is a water tower. But not just any water tower. It's the Florence Yaw water tower. And that's a great story. Because that water tower was supposed to advertise the Florence Mall is right there. I believe it might have been city rules or Commonwealth of Kentucky rules saying, no, you can't do that. You can't advertise anything except cities on water towers. That's where you get Florence Y'all, because literally it's Y'all, take away the branches of the M and put it in the middle. You got Florence, y'all. I always forget that Florence is further away from Cincinnati than I keep thinking. It's not just right across the river. You have a couple minutes to drive. But like I mentioned, Florence Freedom have their place. And with this new ownership, it sounds like Florence will have their team for a very long time. That's a 4,500 seat ballpark. Why can't North Kentucky use that? By North Kentucky, I mean NKU. Think about it, though. I mean, when Wright State hosts North Kentucky at Fifth Third Field, that's awesome. Why can't North Kentucky host Wright State at UC Health? I might have an idea. 
Now, to tell you a little about the Florence Freedom, like I mentioned, they're having an extremely nice season. They will host for two games the Gateway Grizzlies and then the Washington, Pennsylvania Wild Things. One of my favorite teams just because the logo and the name. That's Washington, Pennsylvania, by the way, close to Pittsburgh. Their field's pretty nice, too. In fact, one of my followers follows Washington and Independent Ball. So, when I get a chance to talk about Florence Freedom, I definitely want to talk about it. And I just look at their website. They have an August-toberfest because Independent Ball schedule isn't as long as MLB. I think it starts a little bit later, ends a little sooner. August the 3rd, celebrate your German heritage with us. Thanks to the folks at NKITA, Flotwig, does that say separation technology? At 6 o'clock, definitely. <laughs> definitely go out to that, because the jerseys look, kind of look like German Oktoberfest wear, but the Freedom logo right in the center and on the sleeve. That's a nice look. I dig that. Good job, Freedom. I love that a lot. Pull up the Florence schedule. I mentioned July 31st is the next home game. The Freedom are on the road for three more games. They're at Windy City. That's in Chicago, home of the Thunderbolts. And then heading down to Southern Illinois, take on the Miners. Last full month is September. And looks like that's playoff time. August... You got four home games. I mentioned Gateway, actually five, that homestand. Two against Gateway, three against Washington. Actually, four against Washington. That's Saturday. It's a DH. And then on the road for six at Schaumburg and River City. They're the Rascals. You know, the target dog kind of looks like that. And also, one time, the team that said, you can't keep foul balls. If you do, we'll have to charge you for them type of thing. It was the team that couldn't get enough baseballs in. And then another three games set at Southern Illinois. Home against River City. Not to be infused with Rascal City. Two against Washington. Three at Evansville. Two against Joliet. And looks like two on the road at Windy City. Currently in the West, the Freedom are up three games for first place. 39 and 24 are the Freedom. They're up over the Evansville Otters. River City's in third place in the West at 33-28. 30-31 are the Miners, and the Gateway Grizzlies are 24-36. In case you're wondering about that East, Lake Erie leads with a 34-25 record, two up on the Schomburg Boomers, 33-28. Windy City in third place, 27-34. The Washington Wild Things, you make my heart sing. Nine and a half back, 26-36, and Joliet at 24-37. Now that's 10 teams. You might have realized that a couple of teams have slipped away from the Frontier League. Chilla Coffee years ago has done that. Richmond lost their Frontier League team in 2005. They went up to Traverse City, and Traverse City left the Frontier League just this baseball season to go in the Northwoods League. There's a couple teams. Also, the normal Corn Belters have taken that route as well. So the Frontier League has lost teams. But I think they're not quite in the danger zone yet where they're thinking, oh, crap, what are we going to do? When the Frontier League first 
started or early in the days, you'd have a lot of close villages. Like, I think Portsmouth had a team. Zanesville had a team. Actually, let's look at that up right now because it is pretty interesting. The history of the Frontier League can go back to the winter of 1992 through 1993, where several businessmen got together and decided to start an independent professional baseball league to serve West Virginia, Eastern Kentucky, and Southeast Ohio. With this mindset, they thought they could bring professional baseball to areas that never have a chance of affiliated professional baseball coming to the communities. So... Pretty much your smaller towns, not like Dayton. You got like Zanesville, Smith, Portsmouth, not Sportsmith, Portsmouth. Yeah, now I can't say it wrong. Great. In late June of 93, eight cities began play at high school, college, and municipal parks. College players quickly heard the fledging lead, and most came from the Midwest and East Coast to chase their dreams of playing pro ball. Now, some rocky waters early on. Two weeks in the season, two teams folded. And the remaining six owners fought to keep it afloat. First year, there were six teams. And in 94, there were a couple more teams added to Newark, Ohio, and Erie, Pennsylvania. The Zanesville Grays were the first team to hoist the Frontier League trophy. What's funny is about Erie, Pennsylvania, they're now the double-A home of the Detroit Tigers and the Seawolves. Prior to the 94 season, the owners of the league made a commitment to move forward. They hired Bill Lee as the first and only commissioner the Frontier League has seen. Lee was in the business since 1980, and they hoped that with his experience, the Frontier League would grow. If you look at the Wikipedia article, I know, but if you look at it, you see all these teams. The Frontier Grays were a traveling team for a couple years, had a couple of former Lansing Lugnuts. I mentioned the Richmond Roosters. They moved away after 10 years due to declining fan support, which was a shame, but Richmond, Indiana really had a solid plan to keep them and then politics happened and the ballpark which would have been I think right where Lowe's is in Richmond which is kind of at the armpit of 70, 35 and 40 if you know where that Lowe's is that's where they're planning to build that ballpark but it didn't happen you have the Slippery Rock Sliders which eventually turned into a prospect league team after one year of independent ball Rockford's had a couple Rockford Illinois had a couple of frontier league teams after the Rockford Cubs became affiliated with the Reds and moved to Dayton that's your Dragons the Ohio Valley Redcoats that's an interesting name the Portsmouth Explorers became the Springfield Capitals you have the London Rippers which um <laughs> you remember that back in 2012 there was a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of backwash on that people didn't like the name because Rippers is Jack the Ripper you know not a good person in history and this is London, Ontario this isn't London England could be London, Ohio actually I think London, Ohio had a team in the London Werewolves which became the Canton Coyotes 
one of the longer lasting teams was the Kalamazoo Kings, lasted about a decade. Also were the home of the Kalamazoo Kodiaks in the mid-90s. You have the Johnstown Johnnies, and that team moved to become the Florence Freedom. And then the Johnstown Steel became the Johnnies. They got their start back in 1995. There's a lot of former teams on here, but that's some of the beauty of it. You look at the timeline through it here. You see how much these teams bounced around. It's really neat history, and I I implore you to look it up. Now, you might be wondering, well, if there's so many folded teams, what, what's their business of still being around? Yes, you sound like that. Like I mentioned, independent ball, it's a chance. It's not a guarantee. It's a chance to get to a major organization. And actually, I'll pull up that article now. The Florence Freedom recently had Tyler Gibson inked by the Cincinnati Reds. Does that mean he's going to Cincinnati? No, it means he's going in the Reds organization. And I believe they have already issued Gibson to go to Greenville, Tennessee. That's rookie ball in the Appalachian League to join the rookie Reds. You know, the Reds that have the raccoon hats. It's too bad they can't wear raccoon hats instead of baseball hats. That'd be a neat touch. Maybe they can. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But anyway, Tyler Gibson, he boasted a 7-2 record after 11 starts, and this news hit him right before he made his 12th start. A 3.51 ERA, a spectacular 2019 campaign, earning his first all-star selection on the way to notching the victory in the Frontier League versus the Can-Am League Midsummer Classic. Through a scoreless frame, allowing no hits, no runs, and he struck out one. From Howell, Oklahoma, spent his first two professional seasons with the Freedom. Came out of the bullpen last season before getting the nod as a starter after that all-star break. He's 24, so he's a little older than most of the players in rookie ball, but he's got that experience. Now, most of your independent ball players, they don't make it to the majors for one reason or another. But it's that pursuit of the dream that's the big thing. Last year, late in the season, the Dragons picked up from the Evansville Otters, Patrick McGuff. By the Dragons, I mean the Cincinnati Reds. And McGuff, I thought, did quite well. There most times where McGuff's pitch count would get kind of high after five, but I thought he did okay. He got waived after the season. I forget it was closer to this season starting or after last season ended. I, I want to see these independent ball players succeed and have a shot. It's tough. I mean, independent ball, you make a little money, but it's, you know, it's also that big issue of minor league folks don't make that much money either. But I definitely, definitely like the former Oklahoma Baptist standout having his contract sold to the Reds. Will we see him in Dayton? Well, I said Lodolo wasn't coming in Dayton, but um, <laughs> here we go. He's in Dayton. So, yeah. Also, the press release also mentions that 
he's not the first freedom to have his contract sold to major league teams. Frank Valentino got his contract sold to the New York Mets. Brian McKenna to the Miami Marlins. Tyler Reichenborn to the St. Louis Cardinals. So a couple contracts sold already. Florence has now sent 14 players to the minor league level since 2017. 14 players in, what would that be, three seasons? Almost three seasons? That's pretty nice. And overall, in franchise history, the Freedom has sent 44. So good luck to the Freedom. Close out the season well. And I will definitely talk about the Freedom more as we continue the season on. I was hoping to find that website that had some of the old pictures of McBride Stadium, you know, in rooster colors, which was orange and green, like Miami Hurricane colors. My two seasons with the River Rats, there's a room that has the Richmond Roosters jerseys hanging up, and they, the Roosters had an away jersey that's, um, you know, gray, but it was pinstripe, and it had Richmond and orange. It was nice. It's nice to talk about the history because, you know, the team had independent ball. It had something to celebrate. So, good luck to the new owners of the Freedom. Keep them in Northern Kentucky. They're also a very affordable ticket. If you don't want to spend a whole lot of money, you got the Freedom as an option. If you're tired of the Reds, roller coaster. I know most fans are. I'm not, because this is Marty Brenneman's last year, and I'll mention it until the season's over. I'm listening to as many games as I can when Marty's on the mic. Actually, he had a really interesting story about the 1981 season. It was the season that was shortened by a strike. And he mentioned that at the time, 700 WLW had to fulfill to be part of the Reds Radio Network. They had to do so many games. And because it was a strike-shortened season, kind of can't just do all the Reds games. That kind of cuts into the contract. Well, Marty bounced around. He did a couple games in Atlanta, Philadelphia. He talked about Milwaukee. He mentioned the old Municipal Stadium. I believe that's Municipal. That might be Cleveland. I'm sorry if I got that wrong, Milwaukee folks. But he mentioned that he had to interview the New York Yankees manager, Billy Martin. Remember, this is when Milwaukee was in the American League, not the National League. He had to interview him in the shower. And then Danny Graves jokes, because that's great acoustics. And then, yeah. So yeah, Florence Freedom. And now we move back up to Dayton, Ohio, and we're talking the NFL field. You remember it was supposed to happen at Triangle Park, but because there's an ancient burial ground there, that kind of got axed. Well, there's a new home. NFL to build new turf field at Dayton's Kettering Field Park. This is written by Cornelius Froelich, and this is from 19 hours ago. I saw this yesterday afternoon. I retweeted it. Now, if you don't know where Kettering Field is, no, it's not in Kettering. It's named after the Ketterings, you know, the family that help make Kettering grow. Kettering Field is that field that's kind of off 75 towards North Kiwi Street. You can see it if you're going southbound 75. You really can't get a good look on it if you're going northbound. 
It's by where Malfunction Junction was. They renovated that, and now it looks nice. So, yeah, that's where the NFL field's going. To read the article, the NFL is honoring Dayton for hosting the first-ever professional football game by installing a new turf field in the city. And actually, it wasn't a burial... Well, it was a burial ground. It was Native American remains at Triangle Park. That's why they decided to nix it. The Bengals kick off training camp Saturday with a practice at Welcome Stadium. We'll talk a little bit about that in just a bit. The city confirmed that the former Parkside Homes site near Kettering Field is the target location for this turf. There's a video you can watch on there. That's how I figured out where Kettering Field is. It points right where it is. That's huge. When you think Dayton, Ohio, your first thought in sports is probably the Dayton Flyers. Maybe the Dayton Dragons if it's baseball time because it's a cheap ticket. You might also think Dutch Lions for soccer. You might think of the wonderful Dayton hockey history here. You might think of Wright State University and the Raiders. They won a national championship the Division Two days. But if you don't think NFL, that's where you're wrong. Not only is Dayton, Ohio home to a very passionate fan base battle of Cleveland and Cincinnati. Remember the Browns been along longer than the Bengals. I mean, you're talking way back then compared to 1960s for this Cincinnati team. You definitely have your fair share of fans in Dayton, Ohio. And you also have the Dayton Triangles hosting the first ever NFL football game back in the 20s. That's huge. And the Bengals are going to celebrate that with training camp at Welcome Stadium. It's this Saturday, July 27th from 1.30 to 4. The parking lots will open at 12.30. There's a $5 fee unless you're part of media. The stadium gates open at 1.30, and the practice will start at 2.30, last an hour, and then for the last 30 minutes of the event, it's an autograph session. It's at Welcome Stadium, the home of the Dayton Flyers football team and Dayton Public Schools soccer and football at 1601 South Edwin C. Moses Boulevard in Dayton. The Cincinnati Bengals will host the first of 11 training camps at Dayton Public Schools Welcome Stadium. The event is free and open to the public. Minus the parking. Concession stands will be open and Bengals merchandise and tickets will be available for purchase. Two Kona ice stands will be operating on each side of the stadium. Media will not have to pay the parking fee when they show their credentials. That's how it normally works for media. After the practice has concluded, the head coach of the Bengals, Zach Taylor, will be available for interviews. No tailgating, no coolers, no alcoholic beverages, including in the parking lot. No re-entry. No outside food or beverages except sealed bottled water. That'll be fine. No strollers and clear bags smaller than 12 inch by 6 inch by 12 inches and small clutch purses will be permitted. If it's not that, no bags. I can't believe it's already football season. Next week starts August, and that means high school football is just around the corner. Looking around the corner, and I see football right there. 
high school football, college football, pro football. And can we talk a second about the projections for the Cincinnati Bengals? They're not good. They are not good. I think I saw USA Today pick the Bengals go 3-13. and 13. Oh, that's that's slow. I, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think the Bengals can pick up six wins this year. It depends how they gel during training camp. The depth at linebacker is still one of those things I'm questioning about. In fact, the depth is one of my big concerns. Depth and injuries. Because this Bengals team has talent. And we're all operating at the same time. I mean, Joe Mixon led the league in rushing yards. You have the you have one of the premier wide receivers in AJ Green. I I think the Bengals will not be as awful as three and thirteen. That's my official diagnosis on that. And we'll talk a little bit more as football goes around. But I want to bring up the fact that NFL will build that new turf field at Kettering Field. I'm looking at the article. It's a fairly short article. The shortest one I've read today. And it is a little sad. The NFL can't put the field at Triangle Park. But, again, Native Americans were buried there. Uh Uh-uh. So definitely, if you're interested, Welcome Stadium, Saturday, gates open at 1.30, parking opens at 12.30. Go see the 2019 Bengals in training camp in Dayton, Ohio. And that will do it for episode 107 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast. It's been a real treat to talk to you again the second time this week. Also... I want to thank everyone for listening to the two-year anniversary show and to this one. And also this episode is dedicated to the memory of Ed Chomnis. Ed, thank you for everything you've done for me in my one year of broadcasting at Central State. This has been the local Sunday Sports Podcast. And next time, it's episode 108. Ask questions for Mallon's Mailbag. And we'll come back at you with local Sunday sports. Nothing but local Sunday sports here on this podcast. Until 108, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Closing theme is Leveled Up by Bad Snacks from YouTube via royalty-free music, no copyright music group. Visit theleewmowen.com slash podcast to listen on your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, CastBox, Anchor, and more. Follow along on Twitter at Gem on Queen Crown and at the Lee W. Mowen and on Facebook by liking the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati Dayton Sports Podcast page and become a member of the Facebook group, fans of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Once again, thank you for listening. This is Lee W. Mowen saying goodbye and please join us again for another new episode of the Gem on the Queen's Crown, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast.